Welcome back to another episode of Meet the Creatives. Today I'm here at Google New York with uh, Heather Leupold, creative lead at Google Creative Lab. Heather, thank you for joining me today. Hello, thanks. Heather, you went to Massachusetts College of Art from 2003 to 2008. I did. And you got your bachelor's in graphic design illustration. And I read in my research uh, that you questioned how important that was of your like. Whoa! Wait, where'd you read that? How'd you know that? On some article with with uh, Bird. Oh yeah, yeah. My friend does. Uh, she interviews a bunch of women in New York and L. A. It's, oh yeah, it's, it's true. out there on the internet. It's true. Oh my god, I have to remember that. <laughs> so tell me about your time, like at school, what that what that was like, and also like leading up to that. You know, how did you know you wanted to be a designer, and how did you know that you wanted to get into graphic design? As a young adult, I was extremely immature. So I didn't value education as much as I should have, though as an adult, like I take Spanish classes now and I'm like an avid reader of history. So I think for me, um, going to college right out of high school felt necessary because that's just what everyone else was doing. But I didn't really Mm -hmm. think about it as far as like, oh, this is like how you better yourself or, oh, this is how you create a life for yourself. I just I wasn't there yet maturity wise. Mm -hmm. So school was kind of like. It wasn't as useful as it could have been for me. Right. So I feel like people feel all this pressure to go to college right out of high school, and they're like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. Hmm. And I really think people need to think about, you know, what their future is to hold, or maybe they need to go travel for two years or five years or ten years before right. they go do something. Um, so what was it in that time, like, leading up to school that, like, graphic design and, like, illustration was there? Was that just kind of your default thing to go to? Were you always creative? Like, what made you? Yeah, I mean, I was always a talented illustrator, um, and I just, I always went to drawing as something I did as a hobby, and I happened to be really good at it, so I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And I went to school for illustration, um, and I leaned a lot on, like, technical drawing, so, like, realistic kind of illustration style I was very good at. So I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I guess this is what I'm supposed to do. Like, I don't want to, like, go into finance. Like, I don't want to do that. So um, that's what I started to do. And then, you know, as I took more classes, I realized, you know, typography was really interesting. And I started looking at, like, you know, things around the world that I was really inspired by. And a lot of it was, like, more graphic style art and typography. So I was like, okay, I'll start to do this. And after that, I just went to, like, a web design shop. And that was my path from there. So that's Continuum? Is that... Uh, I went to Continuum for a while, and then I went to this really small shop called Silverscape. Silverscape, right. And you worked at Silverscape from 2009 to 2011. Yeah. You you were living in uh, in the greater Boston area. Whereabouts? My my family's from uh, Massachusetts. Oh, so I went to school at MassArt, and then I lived, like, right next to Brigham and Women's, like, across the street. Mm. Bartended at the Mission, if anyone, you know. Damn. Yeah, it was pretty cool. (laughs) Um, And then I moved to Winthrop for a while. Okay. So, and then I got super bored of Boston, and I wanted, like, a more diverse culture, and I wanted to do greater, different things. So I moved to New York. After working at Silverscape, you then went to LBI US, and that was in 2011 to 2012. So what was it like coming to New York, and how was it different than Massachusetts? Yeah, I mean, New York is New York has a different style. They, they, like each city, and maybe you know, you look at like um, like Asian style digital design. Mm-hmm. That that web design culture is just completely different. Right. Like I had to 
like back at Huge, I had to design for like an international website for Gucci and learning how to design for like the Asian countries was so crazy. But I think it's the same per city. So going to New York from Boston, the aesthetic is just completely different. So when I got there, I thought I was going to be fired. I was just like the first project I like did it and it looked different than everyone else's. And I was like, but not in a good way. I was like, oh, shit. Like, I'm the worst. Everyone in New York is so much different. Like, I'm definitely going to get fired. But you you learn. right? Right. And it's not about. It's not about adapting, like, it's not like you want everything to look the same, but I think there are certain expectations, especially when you work at an agency, for the way things are supposed to look. Like, Huge has a very specific look and feel. Definitely. You can tell something's, like, made was made by Huge. Yeah. So I started to learn that as I went to different agencies. Um, and I, I'm, I'm really good at adapting to places. I'm kind of like a chameleon. Mm-hmm. Um, so... You know, that's what I had to do. After LBI, you went to Huge, mm-hmm. uh, where you started as an art director. So um, how'd you get the job at Huge? And um, I know that you kind of climbed the ranks there. Yeah, So yeah. Uh, tell me a little bit about that, your time at Huge and what that was like. So I just met Megan Mann, who uh, was a creative director at Huge, and she happened to work at LBI for a little bit. We got really close. She became my mentor, and she went back to Huge, and I was just like, you're the person that has kind of always fought for me and has taught me so much. I just learned so much working with her, mm-hmm. and so that's was my kind of, like, in it Huge. Um, so, yeah, went there. It Huge is a struggle. They're, like, a place that will – like they will tell you exactly what they think of your work and but it happened it makes you really great um so it was just like a very like direct culture um also had like a really clear aesthetic that either you got or you didn't get and so you stayed or you didn't stay right um so it was a really great learning experience you get to work with a ton of different clients and like meld your style to like a lot of different outputs and products um, yeah. so that was an invaluable learning experience for me it, i also learned like I fucked up a lot there. You know what I mean? I had a, a, gr- a lot of great successes, but I, I also had a lot of, and I'm going to say great failures because it taught me so much about how to be resilient, um, how to like stay on your feet when you're really messing up and like keep your composure. But it also taught me about like when to ask for help and when to know that you don't know things and you need someone who does know it. Right. <laughs> so you went from art director to senior art director and then associate creative director. Mm-hmm. So what's that like when you go from a role of kind of just being an art director to then all of a sudden you're overseeing a whole bunch of people? How does that change? And what's it like the first time that you get to see like creative director on your like resume? That must be so cool. I'm not like one for titles. Like we keep it pretty flat here. And I, I prefer a place like this versus an agency with so much hierarchy because I think a lot of it's frankly, it's bullshit. Yeah. But a lot of it's really important when you get to like managing people. So a lot of times you just think like, oh, I'm creative director. I oversee more product uh, projects. But a lot of it is like managing and mentoring people. And you're, a lot of places don't really prepare you for that. I felt very unprepared for doing that. And like I messed up a lot, but I've learned a lot here about managing people. It's much like being a parent, but on a lesser scale. You mm-hmm. have to learn like how to cultivate a relationship for, for this person, like ask them what they need, be able to deliver on like, like getting roadblocks out of their way and do all this stuff. And you have to put a lot of time and effort into making that relationship and that mentor-mentee relationship work. Right. And it's it's not a thing. I don't think, like, leadership is a thing that comes naturally to people, but management, I think, is something you have to learn and you have to cultivate and practice. In 2014, you were a freelance creative at the Google Creative Lab. 
wherever you are today. Mm-hmm. What is it like when you get a job at Google? Imposter syndrome a little bit. Yeah. You know, you're sitting next to some really incredibly smart people. Had, had it always been a dream of yours or kind of just like you worked at Huge and then felt you were qualified for the job? Yeah, I mean, I I never think about, this is weird to say, but I never think necessarily about places mm-hmm. I want to work. I think more about like what I want to make, like what the output is I want to have. Mm-hmm. And I saw Huge in the output they had and I was like, I want to make that. So it was, as soon as you can say, like, I want to make that, like, I'll go there, right? Right. So um, I saw the same thing. I remember Continuum, which was, like, kind of my first job out of school. I was like, oh, I want to make that. I want to make that so bad. I, like, I wanted to have to make that. <laughs> so I think the same thing about the Creative Lab. A few people had gone from Huge to the Creative Lab, and I, like, talked to them, saw what they made. I was like, man, that's, like, so cool. I want to make that. So I was like, that's it. Like, this place is really cool. Yeah. So that's kind of how... I think of things when I like go to a next job or like I'm seeing something. That's awesome. So in 2014, you started with your husband, I yeah. believe, uh, Chico and Louie. Yeah. Uh, so what was that like? And was it like to collaborate? I couldn't imagine working. My fiance is a music teacher mm-hmm. and uh, we are both musicians and we cannot collaborate. But you started your own studio with your husband, which yeah. is awesome. So uh, what was that like? And who were some of the clients that you worked with? And Yeah. I love working with my husband because, so he's an introvert and I'm an extrovert. So it's kind of like this great pairing of personalities, Mm -hmm. but also the way we work on things is very different. Uh, He's a little bit more like pragmatic, gets into the details, is very much like a designer's designer. Like he has read all of the books by all of the great designers, know like (laughs) all of their different styles and it's kind of this like great culmination of everyone super into branding. Um, I'm more of like a storyteller and more of just like, um, like I get like feelings of things and I try to communicate the feelings of things. Yeah. So I'll like use like sound effects to try to explain some I'm things. Like you, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's great working with them because we're kind of like two sides of a coin. Yeah. Um, we worked with a lot of startups. Um, so we worked with this company, Classic Specs. Their holding company is called Eponym. Um, but they were like a Warby Parker kind of model, and they didn't have a, really a great digital presence. So we worked to like uh, work on their positioning uh, online, and we worked on some uh, uh, their website and some campaign work. And we just like looked at their digital presence, and we did that for a couple other companies um, overseas. Uh, and all of that. Another company called Download Media, who was doing like uh, app work um, with like taking website content and porting it over to an app. Um, so we worked with them too. But it was really interesting, like making your own SOWs and trying to estimate work time and all of that and really having to like support yourself through a Couldn't company. Imagine. Yeah, it's like all <laughs> new stuff. In May 2015, uh, you were the creative lead at Google Creative Lab. Did you stay working at Google that whole time or you left to, yeah. to pursue your? Well, no, so I worked, at, I worked a year freelance here. And in that year, I worked with my husband doing all of our freelance gig stuff. A little bit when I was at Huge, I was working with him, too. So, right. like, a couple years working with him on stuff. Worked a year freelance here, and then I went full-time here. So I've been here total of three years, full-time two years. That's awesome. So, yeah, just did that transition. What are some of the projects that you've worked on here? What have been some of the most fun things you've done? Because I was looking on your LinkedIn, like, there's – I use the things that, like, you created in my life. Oh, good! In my life. That's so cool because it's like a lot of times I'll like have, I'll have seen the design and like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I'll see 
how can I word this? Like, I'll see something that someone has made and I'll go interview them. But it's it was kind of strange to be like, wow, I use that functionality in my life. Yeah. That's so cool. So what are some of the, like, what have been some of the best projects you've worked on here? Um, that's really great to hear, by the way. The, the one thing I want to share is, like, that's the exact reason I switched to, like, an in-house place like Google versus an agency. I felt like an agency I was working for the client truly, which is an experience in itself, but I really wanted to start working for the user. Yeah. And I felt like I couldn't really do that quite at the places I was working at Agency Life. So I made the switch and like, it's gratifying to hear like people use the stuff you make because that's like exactly why I came to work here. But um, like Gboard is one of the like ones that we had so much fun working on. Um, it was like me and another designer um, in a room and we were like, <laughs> It's funny, we were trying to save a project that was dying. So we were like brainstorming, like, oh, what can we do? What can we do? And like a couple what we call like sparks, basically just ideas came out of that. And one of them was Gboard. Um, and so we were like trying to get like a pitch together and we pitched it and it got greenlit. And then we met a product team who was like interested in doing the same things. So we're like, oh, let's like put our brains together. And then we just started working with the product team um, to create Gboard. And it, it's just, like, a really fun one because it, it's, like, a fun project where you can, like, search for gifts and just, like, put them right in your messages. Like, yeah. you know, it's gratifying. It's not, like, super serious, but, like, I use it every day, you yeah. know, a hundred times a day. I think it's really interesting about, like, Google because, and I've talked about this with Rob Jean Pietro, it's, like, it just goes to show you that that in design, so much of it comes, like, so, so many, like, breakthrough ideas that people use, and, like, this is extraordinary. Like, how do they do it? It comes from, like, thumbnail sketches. Oh, my God, yeah. Just iterations of thumbnail sketches, and then, they, you know, and then it goes out and changes the world. Yeah. That's, like, so cool. But, you, but when you use it as a user, you're like, this is insane. Like, how do they do this? But then it's just, like, a thousand iterations of, like, you know, like, thumbnail sketches, and then it just turns into something that's real and useful, so... Yeah, and I also think it's like sometimes the most obvious things are the greatest things. It just someone just needs to make it. Like right. Gboard is not like, oh my god, how could they think of that? It's really just like, oh, they put search in a keyboard, duh. Like, yeah. and I don't have to like switch all my apps to go like find that restaurant that I right. wanted to send you. But it's just like someone just needs to make it. Like, just yeah. make it. Yeah. Like we say, like ninety nine percent of our time is making here because like a lot of people just spend time talking about it. And it's like, just just go and make it. And then when we talk about it, we'll have like a common language to talk about. And then we can change it right there. Yeah. You know? For sure. So there's not a lot of talking that happens here. It's like, oh, I have this idea. Okay, let me go make it really quick. And then we can talk about it. Right, right, right. You know? Well, it's so funny. That's like the, the best segue ever. We talked before the podcast about, you know, starting out and just doing something and kind of like riding that out, right? But I feel like there is a huge emphasis on inspiration mm -hmm. and then very little in way of, like, execution. So if you're leaving school and you're worried, like, you know, we talked about, like, imposter syndrome, right? Mm -hmm. And you're worried, like, how do I do this? How do you, if you're stuck and you have an idea and you want to do something, if you don't have the, like, the courage to do that, how do you do that? Did you always think that way? Because now it seems like you have, like, a very, like, you know, go out there and do it. But did, does, does that come over time or do you kind of just, are you born with that? Um, I think you have to force yourself to do it. Yeah. Because it's, it's scary. It's like blank canvas syndrome. Like you don't mm -hmm. want to make the first mark. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you just have to push yourself and be like, it's okay to fuck up. It's okay that this is bad because you got to like get the shit out before you can make it really good. So I think it's more like forcing yourself to just make something. Like there are 
better designers than me. There are better animators than me. There are better product designers than me. What makes me different is I will just make something right here and there and I'll show it to you and I'll get your feedback and then I'll make it again. Yeah. So I think drive makes people way more, like way more useful than mm-hmm. just like the best person in the room. Like we have people here who the reason they're so good is because when we're talking in a meeting, they'll design it and they'll be like, "Did is this what you mean? And be like, oh yeah, that is what I mean. But if you like change this and like, just like this, and it's like, oh wait, yeah. So the, the meeting is actually productive, right. right? Versus just sitting there talking, being like, we're so smart. Let me tell you how smart I am. I have this idea. Yeah. It's just like, no, just like make it real. I don't subscribe to the shit where it's like, I'm gonna tell you what to do and you're gonna do it. It's just like, let's all make. And you know, sometimes if you're like, you know, trying to like spin a lot of plates and do a lot of projects. Like sometimes you can't be a maker as much, but drive and like the willingness to just like make, 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 and like be okay with failing and be okay with getting something wrong, but keep trying is something that like totally makes you stand out. Cause I feel like you go, have you read Julie Zhu is like one of my biggest inspirations, especially on medium. She's the design director at Facebook, but she wrote this article. Everyone should go read it. Um, I'll that, link it in the comments. <laughs> yeah. It talks about the difference between a junior designer and a senior designer. Um, the junior designer will basically like go on a path and like make this precious thing. And it'll be like, here you go. Like, do you love this precious thing I made? And you're like, well, this is one precious thing. Right. Right. Like I can't really, it's either precious or it's not precious. But a senior designer will like kind of go in this direction. They'll decide when to stop, go in another direction, decide when to stop and like have all of these iterations and they can take you through a thought process of how they got from point A to point B to point C to point D to point E to point F. Point F being like, and here's why I recommend it. Right. So it's like they're not precious about anything. They've just gone through a process they can take you through to say, why is this one like the most successful? Right. So I think that that kind of mentality versus just like, uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> here it is. Here, here's the, one... the thing. Like you're holding Simba up and you're like, this is everything the light touches is yours. It's like, no, no, no. Like this is how I got there. Um, do you have any advice? Like if you, if you can go back and talk to yourself, like when leaving school, other than like not being afraid to fail. Yeah. What's like some of the biggest things you've learned? Oh my gosh. So many, so many. It's like always where you're like, God, if I had just known this one thing, it would have been so great. Um, okay. One huge thing when I was, uh, you know, a young designer, you don't really realize how much ego is in the industry and what kinds of things you're going to encounter and how it's going to make you feel. There's also a lot of culture of fear-based leadership. You'll find that in lots and lots of agencies. Um, Definitely. So I think as a, as a young woman in agency life, it's really hard because, like, first you're, like, you're already taught, like, you're, you know, not superior because you're a female. Like, that's just something that happens and something that's in your head. You have imposter syndrome. And then you have these, like, very uh, powerful, mean, like, males – you know, kind of coming at you. And I think one thing I wish I would have known is like the one thing that you can control, you know, when you're in that position is your reaction. So you can react like that's the one part you have control over. You can't control like how this person's acting toward you, what how they think of you, you know, how they feel about your work, but you can control how you react. So right. instead of like blowing up or getting emotional or doing this, remind yourself that like this is your job and like what should you do next if this person is not happy with your work? Like strip away all the emotion. Right. So I think that's one thing like having control over my reactions is something just in life when I was younger, I wish I would have just like take a breath and remember this is the one thing you can control. Yeah. I think to that point too, like there's so many times where 
somebody's really good at being like intense creative director guy, but very like if because when I first got out of school, I'd be like, wow, like that's so like they're so intense, they're yeah. so real. And then, like, looking back on it, it's like, no, they're just an asshole. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's like, like a low level of EQ. Right, 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 right. And they're, they're just, like, sketching really aggressively. Oh, don't get me started. You know the other – okay, there, there is one other thing. It's, like – like, inspiration is obviously a huge thing. Like, mm-hmm. But it's not like, oh, you have to go out and, like, get inspired and do all this. I think, like, the way we teach people to get inspired is kind of off. It's really about, like, for design, like, you have to observe, not, like – get inspired if that makes sense so you have to like when when you're looking at like a book of posters to try to get inspired for a project instead of just looking for like visual inspiration understand why something is successful and something is not successful and really analyzing and observing it and understanding like how you feel about something and why you would like recommend this versus not like why is something successful and why is something not so I think like one thing I wish I would have also just like really understood when I was younger is that inspiration is not just about like like using this visual style and taking pieces from everywhere and like cobbling it together and making something beautiful which is what most people do I feel yeah like. especially yeah. if you're younger like it feels easy it feels it feels kind of natural right like when you see something you have like an immediate reaction but really taking the time to like sit down with that thing observe it analyze it and understand why it's you know why it's successful for the brief it was made for right I think that a lot of people who are going to listen to this podcast, I would imagine, probably would like to work for Google or a place like Google. What are some of the things that you see in people's books that excite you and then make you want to work with them? And then what are some of the things you see over and over again that are kind of off-putting or make sure that they're not cut out for the job? I'm always interested in people telling me what their superpower is. So what do I mean by superpower? It's like if I had to go to you at the last minute for, for this one thing, for anything, what can I know that I can always go to you for? So I think it's really important for people to know their skill set, know what they're best at, know what they want to work on, know what they want to invest time in. So those kind of questions I'll ask, like, what's the thing you want to invest the most time in in building your skill set this year? Or what's the thing you don't think you're best at and you don't care to be best at? And then it's like, what's the thing you're best at you love? It's like that Venn diagram yeah. where it's like the thing you love, what's in the, middle? Yeah, the thing yeah. you can make money for, and the thing that like is a job right. or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I'm always interested in that because this this is a fast moving place, man. Like we function like a startup, and it's like everyone does everything. So it's like if I need to go for you for this one thing, just like really count on you. What is it? So that's one thing I'll always ask. Um, I think the other thing is we look for people who are really um, just interested in emerging technologies and really know the space well. Like you don't need to know like like machine learning and like mobile nets and like you don't know have to know like how to work with those kind of things but I think it's good to be interested in them and know like where your interests see like where you see applying those interests for instance that's a little vague um when I came here like what I how I put my portfolio together was like the work I worked on what like from what I thought showed my superpower best to like the thing I loved working on most and why and then I would show like things that inspire me and interest me. Like I was super into uh, medical wearable devices. So I did like a, just like a whole panel on like what are some of those that are out in the world that I'm really interested in and like where I see like a hole in the industry. And that was in your? In my application for Google. Cool. So I think it's really important to have like interest. And that's what, okay, to have interest outside of your like 
profession or the things you make. Although like medical wear device, wearable devices are sort of within my profession, like I'm by no means an expert in that and I don't make them, but I'm really interested in it for reasons like, you know, my dad has Parkinson's, so I'm really interested in like Parkinson wearables and like they have like these like, anyways, there's like a bunch of like wearables around that. And I think that's what makes New York actually really interesting as a creative hub is that people are so multifaceted here. Like people can be, um, you know, a designer, but they went to pre-med, you know, and they still like volunteer at certain places, you know, like, I just think people have so many different interests here that it makes them a better designer because they have like a lot more uh, to like work with. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Some of the other things I look at, um, obviously communicating your work is incredibly important. So like how you talk about your own work, yeah. How can you sell it to me? How can you make me want it? Like, how do you set expectations in the beginning if you're about to give, like, a long presentation? Like, simple things like that. Mm-hmm. So, like, we're presenting to VPs every day. Like, a junior designer here is presenting to a VP every day. Like, we're a very close-knit group. Mm-hmm. So I have to trust that you're able to communicate uh, and, like, what you worked on and recommend certain things based on, like, how you've analyzed your work. Right. So communication is incredible incredibly important here and the first rule and this is like you see this all the time coming from junior designers people coming right out of school the most important thing when you're making a presentation is your audience so usually make a presentation because you're like this reflects me and I want to show you about reflecting me no 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 who's your people what do they care about like you got to make every presentation be about them yeah. So I think that's one thing you don't realize as like someone coming out of school. Like you're, you're like, kind of like going, like playing to like the room. Yeah. yeah, but it's not even about that. It's like usually people will make a portfolio and this is my work and I'm going to present the same way every time to your work. And it is about like playing the room a little bit, but it's more about like, okay, if you know who you're interviewing to, like tomorrow, right? It'll be me and like Elliot who also works here. So research those people, see what they're interested in, see what kind of projects they work on. Because if I'm spinning out like Gboard and Google Assistant and like tap to translate product work, you're gonna bet that I wanna see product work. Yeah. So like change your portfolio around, spin it to be about product. I'm not saying lie, but I'm just saying like bulk up the things where you've really like handled product. But then remember like that's not all I wanna see. Like I also did illustration, you know, when I was in school. So you you might think like, oh hey, maybe she's still interested in that. Let me show you some of my illustration. Right, right, right. So it's just like play to the people. As a designer, you have these skills that you learn along the way. Yeah. And like little by little, you're learning more and more. Is it the places that you work? Do the places that you work then change like who you become as a designer? Or, or is it kind of just like you can learn on your own? It's like all the above. Like I'm an extrovert, so I need to be surrounded by people. Yeah. So I would not thrive uh, working at home by myself. My husband happens to be an introvert. He thrives on working by himself. (laughs) It doesn't mean he hasn't had great learnings and great success from working at agencies and companies and all of that, but it's just different people have different working styles. And I think it's, it's really about like knowing yourself and that comes with age too. Um, but there, there is something to be said about like, we're each a culmination of like the millions of people we've met in our life, Mm -hmm. right? You see something about someone and you imitate it because that's what we do as humans. Like from when we're babies, it's like monkey see monkey do. You're like a hard drive. You're just downloading stuff onto the hard drive. Exactly. I'm just like, I'm literally just like thousands of different people. You know what I mean? Inside my brain. Trippy. Yeah. (laughs) Weird, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Um, totally though. But I saw for me, it's really valuable to work with a bunch of people because I get to see like, 
what I want to be like, um, how I would handle a situation, how I wouldn't handle a situation. And you kind of like take all these pieces and you decide what gets let in your brain. Right. So I really prefer working with people because of that. And I think just as like a species, everyone can benefit from working with people just just to see how different people do things. Right. They talk about like design is everything else, right? And it's like what you do outside. Like I feel like a lot of designers are as my friend Leland Mashmeyer said, like intellectually promiscuous. They like to just like go and yeah. you can keep that. that. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, but they, but like drawing inspiration from everywhere else. Yeah. Like what do you do outside and how does uh, work and how does that correlate to what you do here? Man, I do a lot of reading. Like I'm such a bookworm. It's really? so hard. Yeah. I'm jealous. I want to be, but I'm not. Yeah. It's so hard. Like I was, I think it changes like with like different phases in your life. Like, you know, in my, like, early 20s, I was super, like, all about going to live music shows. And I was like, oh, that's fucking awesome. Like, I just, like, go, like, every night I would go to, like, a different show. Yeah. Um, I, like, I, in my early 20s, I, like, draw a lot, you know? Yeah. Like, so I just feel like you go through these weird different phases. I would do, like, watercolor a lot for a little while, and then I would switch to, like, acrylics. And then lately I've been wanting to get into oils. But anyways, whatever. And then, like, in my, like, mid-30s now, it's like, I want to teach. I want to, like learn history in a different way that I learned it in school like but I think it is important to have different outlets for your brain to give your brain a break but also to be challenged in different ways and for me right now it's like looking at history in a different way and mm-hmm. it, it's it weirdly influences my work and actually my attitude towards things you kind of just like your perspective now yeah yeah, yeah. that's true but yeah, because I feel like a lot of design students like get so invested in um in like reading up on like reading up on design history and all things design, and I almost feel like it might benefit them more to just everything else outside of design and then have that inform your design. Yeah, I mean that's a big thing we ask in interviews too. Like, what do you do outside of design? Like, right. obviously design is super important because I'm a designer hiring designers, mm-hmm. but like it's really important to know that you have different outlets and different things in life. Um, yeah. I think it, it just make it makes you a better designer having all of those like inputs and outputs. Yeah, because now you can have like an, like an opinion. You can have like yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. Totally. Heather Lupold, this has been awesome. This has yeah, been so I much hope fun. Yeah, answered everything. No, you did. You 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 killed it. It was awesome. <laughs> um, is there your Twitter handles? Do you have any social media? Are you big social media or just strictly books? Once my website is back up, it's being redone. But yeah, cool. I'm not on Twitter. My Instagram is private because I got trolled by some weirdos. Like, yeah. That's crazy. We're Facebook friends, though. I feel good. Yeah, yeah, totally. LinkedIn 2.0. Awesome. (laughs) Thank you. This has been amazing. Google.com. That's the website. Awesome.